All right, party people, let's get into it. So before we get into today's episode, I want to speak with you about our live event coming up in Del Mar, California, San Diego area in January 27th and 28th. We are ramping up very, very quickly and getting extremely excited. At the time of this recording, we already have 85 people registered for this event, and we have not even done what I'm about to do right now, which is announce guest pass access. So if you're not a member of our mastermind, if you're not a member of any of our programs, and you would like more information, we are releasing today the guest pass application. And the guest pass application is essentially, we want to make sure that you are in the right room with the right people and and around the right crowd before you decide to invest your time, effort, energy, and money in order to come to our live event. So the guest pass application, what I want you to do, if you have any remote interest is give yourself a chance, fill out the guest application, and then we will set up a call with our team to decide if coming to the live event in person is the right move for you. You might be asking, what are we going to learn? Well, I'm going to tell you. One of the biggest frustrations we have in Mastermind is members that are willing to work really hard. They're willing to go out and meet gym owners. They're willing to go out and market to people. They're willing to run ads. And they do such a good job with that that people raise their hand and essentially want to come into the office. And so they do all the hard work. They spend all the money, all the time. They do all the marketing necessary. And that person comes into the office And then somewhere along the line between that person being interested and that person becoming a patient, something went wrong. And I promise you that in life, there are a few things more frustrating than having someone that you know you can help, that you know is going to help them and not not only is going to help them, but is going to build your business and make you money. And they say no. Just today on our sales call at Strive, we were talking about Patients who have said no to us in the past, or said no to me in the past, in years when I didn't understand any of the sales process, how to market to them, how to communicate with them, and eventually showed up back in our world two, three, four, five years later. And inevitably, when they came back, they were worse than they were the first time. And I commented to my team how it's our duty to make sure that that person became a patient years ago. That's my fault. Sally, who had a hip problem five years ago, who's 60 years old and wants to play pickleball and golf, her hip did not get better over the last five years. In fact, it's a lot worse. And that's on me because I couldn't help her. I couldn't understand what she really wanted. I didn't know why she was giving me an objection to insurance and cost and price and all of that at the time. And because of that, she went five years without doing anything. Now, the good news is she's in our practice now and doing phenomenally well. And that's only because we understand how to communicate, how to speak, how to put a process, a particular process in place so that when that person, like Sally, walks in the door, she doesn't leave without buying a plan of care and us fixing her problem. And so the live event is going to go all in depth into that topic. Let me be even more specific. What is the conversation that needs to happen on that discovery visit? When, what assessment do you need to do? At the end of the assessment, when you present them with the price and options and that you don't take insurance, how does that conversation particularly, specifically need to look so that that person comes back for an evaluation? In between the discovery and the evaluation session, we, we have a phone call where we speak specifically to the patient. What is said on that phone call to make sure that we understand what concerns, what questions that this patient has? And then when they come back in for that evaluation, how do we build a process so that the patient is 100,000% confident 
that they are in the right place and they're willing to invest over $5,000 with us to be a patient in our practice. That's exactly what we are going to be going through at the live event. And so if you are out there and you're a student or you're a new graduate or you're in practice and want more information and are struggling, you need to be at this live event. I cannot tell you the return on investment to show up for two days with a group of people who are just like you, doing it just like you, and learning from a group of people that have done it before. So that's the technical and the tactical aspect of it. In addition to that, we have Kevin Vandy coming. Kevin Vandy is a friend of mine who practices in the Bay Area of California, who has one of the most tech-forward practices in the country. And I don't say that but with hyperbole. He's got a gate lab with over $150,000 worth of equipment with sensors, and he's got uh, EMG devices, and, and that's how he's built his practice. Not only has he done that, and he's a bit of a tech nerd in that, even more importantly, he runs a wildly successful business. In my world, he's the first person I know, 100% cash, that made it to that seven-figure mark. He did it in about five years, started from zero. And so he is our guest speaker. And if you want to learn from someone who's been there and done that multiple times over, has hired people to be able to be there and do that, and actually you're going to get him at a really interesting time. This event is at the end of January. He is about to open location number two in March. And so you will get him right on the precipice of opening up location two. And of course, all of the lessons that have to go with that. Even more, even more than that, what's most valuable is the people that you're going to be with. During the live event, we specifically leave space. We leave space for networking, for conversation, so that you can go meet Kairos, rehab Kairos from all over the country, all over North America, actually, because we have Canadians that will be there as well. And you will develop relationships with people in that room that will last a lifetime. Some of you guys might have realized that over time, as you got through high school and college and Cairo school, that your friend group has changed. And the reason for that is pretty simple, because your interests have changed, your aspirations have changed. Kevin Vandy is a person that I met in a room just like that years and years ago, and we've developed just a wonderful friendship where we understand each other, we can speak the same language, and he's been nice enough to take time away from his family to come and speak to all of you. If you are a student out there or a new graduate and potentially looking for work as a rehab Cairo, something else we're adding at this live event is a, is a job fair. We have about a dozen rehab Cairos all over the country right now, whether it's LA, Connecticut, New Jersey, Texas, that are looking for associates. And we are going to give you guys the opportunity to sit down, have a conversation, see what they might be looking for, and see if that opportunity is right for you. And so it's going to be informal. There's no pressure on them to hire you or you to take a job that day. It's just to start that relationship. Some of you guys might be in the middle of Cairo school, and it might be the best uh, time, money, and effort energy ever spent because in a few short months, you're going to be graduating, and you're going to want and need a job, or you're going to open up your own practice. But if it were me, I would rather work for someone that's been there, done that, had guidance and tutelage, and that I can work with someone so that I can be as successful as possible. And so our live event, as I said, you can find guest pass application in the show notes. Please go in the show notes, fill out that application, do a call with our team, and then we'll see if it's the right fit for you. Now, in today's episode, I actually talk about uh, a recent episode that happened to me of being rejected. I actually applied to be in a super, super, super high-level mastermind group, and they told me no. And I made sure that I recorded right after I found out that I was rejected. So I get a little bit fired up. But you know what? I'm really proud of myself. And in this episode, I share why. 
What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Business School for the Rehab Chiropractor. Class is officially in session. My name is Justin Rabinowitz, and I am a rehab chiropractor on a mission to teach you, a fellow rehab chiropractor, the exact tools and systems I've used to build my own successful rehab chiropractic practice so you can do the same. I hope you enjoy, and please subscribe. So let's get right into it. I'm going to break this down into two separate sets of lessons. First, it's going to be a lesson on them, on their business model, and you know my takeaways from it. And then I'm going to talk about me sort of internally and how I am going to deal with the failure or setback. So let's start with them. And I have my notes here. So, you know, after you got off the initial, like, darn, I didn't get in to the mastermind, the first thing that I thought about was good for them. Good for them. Um, this mastermind group is a obviously a very high level group and they have demand. So the first lesson to understand is number one, having an audience and number two, supply and demand. Many of the issues that you are all having in your business is that you don't have enough demand for what you want. And so you can't control your price. You can't control your schedule. You can't control who or what or when people want to come in to see you because you can't set the rules. When you get a demand, when you have the right marketing, when you gain an audience, now you can set your rules. Because the next thing was, it's essentially like I applied to be in this group and they said, no, thank you. We don't want your money. Literally, you're like, hey, I'm in. Like, tell me where to sign. Like, I'm ready to go. And they said, no, 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 we don't want your money. Good for them. Good for them. And so the lesson for each one of you guys in your business is pretty clear and straightforward. You cannot have the business that you want. You cannot control who the people that you see are. You cannot control your prices or your schedule or your life unless you have a demand of people. If you are always chasing and chasing and chasing, someone else will set the rules for you. So my first lesson as I look at their business of being in this in this world of, of masterminds was, was really good for them. I, I really, really am... Uh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. When you can say no to someone, you know, you're doing pretty well. They say in life, the quality of your life, the success in life is determined by how many things you say no to. And so as you start to build your business and build your practice, how many people, how many patients do you say no to that you might not be able to help, that might not match your core values, that might not be the type of person that you want to treat? Nobody, nobody that's listening to this podcast can be everything to everyone. What is it if you think you couldn't be everything to everybody, you're going to be nothing to nobody? And so understanding that building a demand through marketing, through sales, through communication will allow you to then build the business that you actually want is the principle that I want to be able to share. The next thing I wrote down, when you ask someone to come into your business, we teach a discovery visit. So how does this apply to your practice? When you ask someone to do a call and then to come in for a discovery visit and you say to them, we want to make sure it's a good fit for you and it's a good fit for us. Do you actually mean it? 
so many people ask me in their practice, like, what do I do if I can't help someone? It's like, well, you tell them you can't help them and also make sure you're clear on what that means. But if you ask someone to come in and you say, hey, we want to make sure this is a good fit for you and for us, do you actually mean that? Or is it if you have a pulse, if you're willing to pull your credit card out, if your back hurts or doesn't, we're going to take you on as a patient. And so when you ask someone to do that, do you actually mean it? In this situation with this mastermind group, uh, they actually meant it. And I appreciate that. I really, really do appreciate that. So now, let me talk to you more so about how I would deal with something like this that is a setback, personally, how I feel about it. And I hope that as I talk through it, it will help all of you in your life when you have a setback or when something doesn't go the way you wanted it to go or when you don't get what you want. So the first thing for me, the first thing for me is to admit that I'm disappointed 10, 15, 20 years ago, middle school, high school, college, early in my career, Justin probably would have played the tough guy and said, ah, screw it. Like those guys, I didn't want to be there anyway. Nah, screw them. They don't know what they're doing. But no, that would have been a deflection. That would have been someone that's too proud to admit that, you know what? I, I did want to be in this group and it is the second time that I applied and I got to an interview this time or the first time I didn't even get to an interview. And the fact that I did not get selected for it, I, I am disappointed. And hopefully at now in my career, I'm mature enough, I'm self-aware enough to first just say that and, and admit it. And that's okay. And that's okay to be disappointed. That's okay. And I don't need to play it off and I don't need to tell people that I don't care. I do care. I don't need to tell people that it's not a big deal. In life, it's not a big deal. Like, I'm good. Like, everything's going to be fine. But yeah, I, I wanted it. And the fact that I didn't get it, like, I'm disappointed by that. I'm disappointed by that. The second thing is who the blame, right? Just in general, all of us at some point, when something has not gone the way we want it to go, we want to take blame and take it external. Ah, uh, the patient said no to plan of care. They're cheap assholes. Meh, are they? Your employee quit. They don't know anything about it. Kids these days, millennials, Gen Z. It's everyone else's fault. It's everyone else's fault. We immediately, it's too painful to look internal, so we look external. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I wanted to be in that group. It's not about them. It's not about the person who interviewed me. It's not about this group and that, they're jerks or anything about them. No, it's about me. I wasn't what they were looking for. And that's my fault. That's on me. If I want to be there, something has to improve. Do I exactly know today what that is? No, I don't. But it's not their fault. It's not their fault. I'm not going to look at them and think that they did the bad thing or the person interviewed me, they're wrong. No, they're not wrong. It's on me. This is my problem. This is my circus, my monkey. It's on me. 100% ownership and blame that I didn't put myself in a position to get what I wanted. So the first thing we talked about is to admit it. Yeah, and disappointed. Number two, they're not assholes. I'm the asshole. It's my fault. 100%. It's my fault. And then the third thing for me, which I went into admittedly, admittedly, um, I wasn't nervous about the interview process. But 
I was aware of two things. The first thing I was aware of is that I, in the past, have not been great at being interviewed for jobs. The first reason why is because I haven't had many of them. I worked basically one real job in my life. In addition to that, in chiropractic school, I applied. I've told this story before, but it's it's kind of funny, but it's, uh, it's kind of sad, whatever it is. Um, when I was in chiropractic school, I applied for an externship, basically saying I can get out of the clinical setting and go to an external practice to be able to work there. And I was a pretty good student, like won different awards and, and did whatever. And I was in a very small class. And so I applied for this externship. I went for the interview and they said, no, they denied me. The uh, kick in the nuts, so to speak, was that they didn't just deny me for somebody else. They didn't just deny me for somebody else. They didn't take anyone. (laughs) And so if you think about it, like nobody was better than me to be their extern. And so when you think about that, it's like, all right, like there's something going on here. More than that, looking back at this place and who they did accept over the years, because obviously for me, I'm like looking to see who they accepted. The one guy they accepted, I knew very well. He was my tutor. He became, he didn't become a chiropractor, never actually became a chiropractor. So he didn't even join the profession. Someone else that was their extern got a, uh, got a DUI. Again, no disrespect, but like judgment lacking, obviously. A third person um, is, I know them and they are not doing well, barely in practice at this point. Um, and so the people that I know that were selected were what I wouldn't consider to be who I want to be. And so you can look at that and say, oh, like I'm justifying it. But it's like, no, like they did something that I didn't have. And it's like, wow, like you really suck. I'm telling you that because as someone that is being interviewed in my past of like, it hasn't always gone really well. And I'll be honest, I don't exactly know why. One of the reasons I don't know why is because I don't think I have good skill set at it. So I could be mad at myself and say like, I don't, but I don't do it. And there's another lesson there. When you tell me you are not good at public speaking, when you tell me you're not good at sales, when you tell me you're not good at marketing, when you tell me you're not good at leading a team, the next question I have for you is, how much do you do it? Is it realistic for me to be great on an interview as a person being interviewed when I don't do it? It's 2023. The situation that I'm talking about happened in 2011. And since that point, I had like one sort of interview as an associate chiropractor. That was the last time. So from 2011 until 2023, I've been interviewed as, a, as a, on the other side of it twice. How am I going to get good at being the person being interviewed if I've done something twice? If I've done something twice, I'm not. The first thing is I'm just not naturally good at it. I can tell from the results that I'm getting. And rather than beat myself up over it, the only option is if I, if that's important to me in my career, then I should probably practice it. Now, the current situation that I'm in in my life, it's probably not on the priority list today because I own the company. What I need to be better at is interviewing and select hand selecting people and then leading them. That's going to have a better ROI for me. But again, if you want to be good at something and you're currently not, it's not just I'm not good at it. It's like if you want to be good at it, you better do something about it. And so if I want to be a good interviewee, if I want to be a good person on the other side of this, I need to like learn. I need to hire a coach to actually understand what I'm saying, how I'm not coming across in a way that puts people in a position that they want to select me. Now, I want to take a third point here. I talked about 
their business, their mastermind. I talked about me personally. And now I want to talk about, actually, I made a list here of actually why I'm really proud of myself, about why I'm really proud of myself. So the first reason I'm proud of myself is because I know what I do for a living. I own a chiropractic, rehab chiropractic practice, and I run a coaching consulting company. Specifically, you guys listening to this are people that either are my current clients or who I want to be my clients. And from a, and from a being just a, a stand-up person, the person that who I want to be, the person I want to be for myself and my family, the standards that I hold, something that's important to me is to never ask other people to do something that I am not willing to do. And so when I ask people to commit time, effort, energy, money, resources, time away from their family to learning and educating themselves, I need to do the same. And so this mastermind group that I didn't get into, it's not the only one that I'm in. In fact, I'm currently in another mastermind group. So this would be in addition to, and it's a second, a third one that I've applied to. At one point I was in three in one year. And one of the reasons that I do it is because again, I'm not going to ask you with limited resources, time, and energy, just like me to do something that I'm not willing to do. And so I'm proud of myself because I am walking the talk. It didn't work out the way I wanted to, but you know what? I put my best effort in. I'm still in another group. I've applied for multiple groups. I've been in multiple groups. And so I'm proud of myself because when I tell you that you need to be here, you need to change your life, you need to invest in your business, even when you don't think it's possible, even when you don't have the time, I'm just telling you what I tell myself. I know that there are gurus and coaches out there that aren't even in a mastermind group themselves. They want you to join theirs, but it's like, where are you investing in you? And they got no answer for you. I know people that like want them to pay you for coaching and consulting and they want freebies and handouts from everyone else. That ain't me. That's not me. And when I get up and I look myself in the mirror every day, I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of that. You can call me a lot of things. You can call me an ass. You can say I'm a jerk. You can say all these things. But what you won't say is that he isn't willing to do what he's not willing to do for himself. Said differently, I, I would never tell you out there to do something that I'm not willing to do. And I'm proud of that. I'm very proud of that. Number two, number two, I'm willing to do something before I'm ready. More specifically, I want to put myself in a position get into a room where I don't think I should be and where it is going to be a little bit self-conscious and where I shouldn't be there in the first place. The story that I always tell in the current mastermind group that I am in is when I joined my CEO group, which was a twelve dollars to $15,000 investment on top of the $10,000 I was already paying, on top of, my business was making about $300,000, a little bit less per year. And when I got in the room of 12 other healthcare CEOs, by far and away, I was 12 out of 12 of staff members, of revenue, business skills, business development. Every single business there was somewhere between 500 and 1.5 to $2 million that stepped in that room. And here I walked in under 300,000. I'd find out later that one of the people in that group at the time was thinking, why is this guy here? He shouldn't be here. And you know what I told him years later when we had the conversation? I said, the exact reason why I shouldn't be there is why I'm there. 
Because for me, the standard that I hold to myself is that I am going to put myself into positions that I don't think I should be in. Because the only way that I'm going to learn and grow myself is to make myself uncomfortable. And I'll tell you straight up that this group I applied to, the average revenue of the business owners in that group was $18 million. 18, 18, one, eight, comma, zero, 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 comma, zero, zero, zero. And while we are well into the seven figures, we are nowhere near 18 million. That's why I applied. I want to go into a room with get the same feeling again. And people saying, why is this guy here? Because you know what? As soon as you put yourself in a position where you are the lowest man on the totem pole, guess what happens? Miraculously, you start to figure shit out because you see people well ahead of you. And you look at them. For me, I look at them and say, if he can do it, she can do it. Why not me? Why not me? And so I was putting myself in a position to look at John Smith, 18 million, 25, 50 million, 12, 13, eight, and be in there and say, I'm not there. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. And so I'm very proud of the fact that I put myself in that position. If I applied for a group that I knew I was going to get into, what would the caliber of people be in that room? Probably not that good. It's important to me, it's important to me to always push myself. I'm in a position now of leadership. I know that people look up to me, not only in my practice, but I know that there are clinicians, students who want to do what I've done. And I take that very seriously. I will not sit here and continue to be in that position. In fact, it's quite uncomfortable. If I feel like I know everything, that's uncomfortable for me. That's not the person who I am. That isn't who I want to be. And so to be able to put myself in that position where I'm going to go in and be the lowest guy in the totem pole again, that's the room that I want to be in. So I'm proud of myself that I put myself in that position. And guess what? The no, the no signifies that I was right because I wasn't good enough. I didn't give the right impression. My business isn't big enough. Whatever reason they decided that I shouldn't be there, good. I did the right thing. I did the right thing. The third reason is A core value for me is that anything that you want in life will just come on the edge of uncomfortability, of being uncomfortable. And as I thought about applying and setting up for this interview and going in, and then potentially I thought about, I projected getting into this group and everyone talking about their revenue and me having to say, yeah, I'm less than all of you guys. And it's a little uncomfortable. And you know what? That's what got me excited. And so I'm very proud of myself. I'm very proud of myself that I put myself in that position to do what wasn't easy, what was comfortable. All of us want to seek comfort. There's a book called The Comfort Crisis. It's literally about how we all seek comfort. And so some of you guys out there, it's comfortable, it's comfortable for you to not put your, to not learn business. It's comfortable for you to shut the door in the clinic and just go treat patients for 12 hours a day because that's what you're good at. It's comfortable for you to never have to manage and build a team. It's comfortable for you to not invest in yourself. It's comfortable for you to cry poverty and say you're poor, that no one will pay and you have to take insurance. It's comfortable to do that. It's comfortable. But what I will tell you is you will never, never grow to the person you want to be if you only seek comfort. And then finally, finally, One of the biggest issues that many of us have in life is that we are scared of rejection and we are scared of being told no. And I preach this in my mastermind group every single day. 
Your job starts at no. Typically, if you want what you want, that yes that you're looking for will come after 7, 8, 10, 12, 50, 100 no's. And the people that will be the most successful in life are the ones that are willing to withstand the most no's, the most no's, until they get the yes. If you for one second think that I'm going to live the rest of my life and business career of just seeking people telling me yes, you're crazy. I encourage and tell my team all the time, I want you to tell me why I'm wrong. I want you to challenge me. I'm going to challenge you back, but I want to be challenged. I want you to tell me what we're going to do differently. I don't want everyone just to tell me that I'm correct. My business is only going to grow due to the quality of people that I have. The people that are high quality are going to be able to challenge me and push the business forward because I'm just one person. I am not able to continually have all of the ideas to grow our business. I am not able to continually only withhold the standards to grow our business. I am not able to be the only one to be able to withstand a no and progress forward anyway. I need people around me to do that. For you, in your life, in your business, in your family, you want to create a culture to invite no's. And if you can be comfortable with a no, guess what's going to happen? Eventually, if you do it long enough, if you ask enough people, you will get to yes. And so for me, I'm proud. I am very proud that I put myself in a position to be told no. And in my career, listen, Last year, last year and a half, admittedly, it's gone really well. It's gone really well. I've had a lot of yeses. And so deep down, even though I'm frustrated and I didn't get what I wanted and disappointed, I think I'm more proud of myself that I was willing and able and got that no. Because you know what? If I take enough no's, eventually, eventually, I'll get a yes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you for free. One, grab a copy of my free guide, The Rehab Chiropractor's Checklist. You can get that at go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. That's go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. Two, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Justin Rabinowitz, where I post business content. Three, subscribe to my weekly newsletter by sending me an email at coaching at strive to move.com. And four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential people and bring those lessons back to you. 